Good morning. It's Spirit-Led Discipleship Podcast, and it's Nate Harkness, your friend for the journey. And I'm excited to have you here. This is a podcast all about helping you connect with Jesus, helping you know his tangible, living, loving, interactive presence, and grow deeper in your walk with him in a way that helps you understand who you are and helps you to know your mission in life and receive power for that mission. Uh, It's a beautiful journey. And it's a beautiful day here in Georgia. I'm excited to have you with me. This is a podcast designed to complement a book that I wrote called Spirit-Led Discipleship, Intimacy and Identity in the Training of the Twelve. And I hope you will go to Amazon and pick up a copy for yourself. And if you love it, I would love if you would uh, do me a huge favor and leave me a review on Amazon that helps me so much more than you could imagine. Um, and it blesses me to see your feedback, but uh, also if, if you received good things from it, please help us out by uh, leaving a review on the book and also on this podcast. But really, this is just for you. This, uh, this whole podcast is just me walking around in the morning, talking to Jesus and going, oh, I bet that thought or that tool or that idea could help one of my friends out there in cyberspace um, grow a better, deeper, more intimate um, personal connection with the Lord in, in a way that is helpful and healing and productive and, and most of all just um, unifying with him and with yourself. So uh, that's the goal. That's the hope of this podcast. And I wanted to talk about something that I talked about in the book Spirit-Led Discipleship today. Uh, and I had this thought a couple days ago, and it resonated so much with my personal experience. Um, and that is this idea of the kingdom being a little teeny tiny thing that has a great scope and impact over time. Uh, Jesus taught about this thing called the kingdom, the Basileia, in the Gospels. And because we are here in the West, um, democratic societies largely, the idea of a kingdom with a single reigning monarch, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But in the sense in which Jesus used the word kingdom, he was talking about the reign or rule of, of God. I believe Dallas Willard talks about it, um, something along the lines of the effective range of God's will. Um, So where does God's will, where is God's will done? Uh, Is it done in my heart? Is it done in all of my heart? (laughs) Is it done in my body? Is it done in my my household um, with my children? Is it done in what I eat? Is it done in uh, where I go? Is it done in my city, my society? Wherever God's will is done, there is the kingdom. Where the king is, there is the kingdom. And so Jesus takes a lot of time, especially with his young leaders, to describe what the kingdom is like and what its citizens are like. So the Sermon on the Mount, if you know that uh, sermon, is a description of what God's people are like in the kingdom. Uh, and the kinds of things they do. It's not a new list of rules. It's actually just a simple description of what it's like when you walk in simple, intimate partnership with God through the Holy Spirit in your life. And Jesus is speaking this uh, sermon even before the Holy Spirit is given, but really the Spirit is the thing that would activate the ability um, on the part of the disciples to obey the Sermon on the Mount. And the parables, if you know the kingdom parables, um, that's another part of 
Jesus's ministry with the 12, where he's teaching them not just what the citizens of the kingdom are like, but what the kingdom itself is like ontologically, just on a base level. And I wanted to to read you a portion of the book and then talk about one specific attribute of the kingdom, which is its size and scope. So, while Jesus's first leadership class was taught on a mountain, the second is taught in a boat. To avoid the pressure of the crowds, he pulls away from the shore and begins to teach. Again, he is teaching the twelve, but the crowds are listening. He is trying to communicate kingdom secrets that would change their lives and guide their ministry. The kingdom parables use everyday imagery. Seeds, weeds, candles, yeast, pearls, and nets. They point to a deeper reality, the glory, power, and worth of the kingdom, despite its deceptively hidden, small, and upside-down nature. The kingdom is like a seed packing the atomic power to reproduce itself a hundred times over. Grows in secret of its own accord. The kingdom grows alongside the kingdom of darkness, yet is distinct. The kingdom will persevere against evil, which is finally discarded like a weed or a worthless fish. The kingdom grows from the smallest of seeds to the greatest of trees. The kingdom works like yeast through a lump of dough a whole person, or a whole society, changing how it behaves and how it tastes. The kingdom is worth giving everything for, purchasing at the highest price, and displaying like a lamp in a house. The kingdom cannot be earned, but it can be sought and must be paid for. Though it seems insignificant, kingdom citizens will see its value and give everything to attain it. Those who would press into the more of the kingdom will discover that in some ways you get what you pay for. Yet in reality, the value of the uh, far outweighs the cost. It is the bargain of a lifetime. Missionary Jim Elliot aptly wrote, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. The apostles would pay the highest price to purchase this kingdom, though it cost them their lives. Jesus wants them to know that the kingdom's return on investment is a hundredfold, uh, both in this life and the life to come. So, the kingdom is an amazing thing, but for people who are raised and bred in the world like you and me, um, the kingdom seems tiny, it seems elusive, it seems so deceptively um, translucent and hidden that we wonder sometimes, is there really a kingdom? Like, is there really a place where God's will is effectively done? Uh, Is there a place where heaven can, can invade earth and the realities of heaven begin to become the realities of our experience here on the earth? It's like, um, we have a creed and a belief system and yet, we live as though we are just like anybody else. We eat what everybody else eats. We drink what everyone else drinks. We wear what they wear. We watch what we they watch. We think what they think. Um, we have relationships like they have relationships. And this is proven, you know, just statistically and just opening your eyes on a Sunday morning. I mean, you, you see, we're all just people born and bred in the world. And yet the kingdom is a real thing. And it's, Jesus says it's something that's within us. And he compared it to a mustard seed, which is a very tiny seed that grows into a very big plant. Um, so big, it's, he says that uh, the birds of the air can uh, nest in its branches. And so I have this image 
of a giant field. And we look in the field of this world and we look and look for the kingdom. And it looks as though um, the, the kingdom is the size of a postage stamp um, on a plot of land that's 40 acres wide. I mean, it, it is just a tiny little thing. And we hunt and hunt for the kingdom, for a shred of heaven on earth. And all we see is earth. We don't see a lot of heaven. But then we see this bright little shiny spot. And it's so tiny. And, uh, and we walk up to this tiny little postage stamp size thing that's illuminating. And we look at it. And, um, and we wonder if God is powerful at all if his kingdom means anything or makes any difference at all. When we're surrounded by news, uh, you know, and just uh, people who are talking like uh, the world every day, then we wonder, yeah, hey, is there any kingdom? But we see this shiny spot and I imagine myself just jumping onto it. And when you jump onto the kingdom, it's like it reveals its true nature and it grows into this expansive land and it takes over all the realities of earth and it becomes this wide open country. Uh, the Psalms talk about a broad place, God leading us into a broad place. And I imagine um, the kingdom being something that when you uh, unlock it, when you jump into it, it becomes this huge and expansive territory. And there is this amazing reality about kingdom thinking in which you can look at something very, very small and it becomes very, very big. Um, or uh, it messes with your time orientation because the kingdom is eternal. And so when we, when we think about kingdom things, we can get lost in our um, contemplation and our enjoyment of kingdom truths, little simple kingdom realities. Other people... Um, in the world would think, you know, gosh, would you just stop um, talking about the same thing over and over again? But for kingdom people who are lost in the kingdom, it just, uh, it, all we can do is talk about simple things um, in deeper and deeper ways because there are always new layers of the same truth. I remember <laughs> sitting with a group of men um, not too long ago and one of the guys was uh, just just loved Jesus a lot. And we got to talk about the Bible and we got to talk about the love of God and we got to talk about just how wonderful he is and how he changes us from the inside out. And, uh, and we talked, I kid you not, for over two hours about God's love. And we just kept going and going and going. And then another guy at the table finally said, gosh, like we have been sitting here talking about God's love for two hours. Like I get it already. Like, can we move on? And my friend and I looked at each other almost as if we had just been in a stupor. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I totally lost track of time. I lost track of what's going on. And, um, and this is the topic, man. The, the love of God is so compelling and so uh, enticing that uh, when you find somebody else that's been totally captivated by it, it's, it's easy to lose two hours or 10 hours just talking about Jesus. And, um, and it's not because you're really zealous or religious. It's, it's, it's literally because you have this relationship of love um, with somebody that you can't get over how many facets and how many, uh, how deep that 
that love runs. And so um, that's what the kingdom is like. It messes with your spatial orientation. Um, it becomes much, much bigger when you look at it. Uh, it messes with your time orientation. It messes with your heart orientation. Um, and it changes you from the inside out. And that's why the kingdom is something that's so important. It's um, evidenced uh, in real ways. It's not just pie in the sky and it's not just psychology. It's evidenced in real ways by, by miracles, by uh, arrangements of God's sovereignty um, in, in the world in which we live. We start feeling as though we're living in this, um, uh, in this strange in-between world in which we see the realities that we grew up with, but we also see the realities of the kingdom, which are overlaid invisibly on the realities of uh, the earth. And we see sometimes ways in which the kingdom rules begin to operate here and now. Heaven's rules begin to operate. And I've seen that personally. I've seen, um, you know, cataracts disappear. I've seen backs be uh, restored and healed. I've seen um, very dark... um, you know, um, spirits, I would say, um, dark realities, um, dark cognitive patterns just sort of evaporate instantly. I've seen God's love, um, take over people, change them in ways that, um, they're unrecognizable. I've seen God speak to people and speak to me in, in ways that are undeniably him. And when that happens, you think, man, what world am I living in? Um, you almost feel whiplash, um, from the disorientation of realizing that there's something real here now that's bigger than everything that I grew up believing, and it's the kingdom. Uh, Paul Bunyan, uh, not Paul Bunyan, excuse me, John Bunyan. Now, Paul Bunyan <laughs> is somebody that I grew up around uh, as as folklore up in Minnesota, and I, I remember uh, going to see a th- giant 50-foot statue of Paul Bunyan that was animatronic and could open his mouth and speak. And I remember going when I was probably five years old, my sister was three, and she was terrified when Paul Bunyan's giant eyes looked at her and, and, uh, and he said, hello there. Um, no, not that. That's, that's something for your nightmares. Uh, John Bunyan was a writer, um, uh, in in the in the Middle Ages, Enlightenment era, and uh, John Bunyan wrote about the kingdom, uh, and he pictured this city on a mountain, or this this land on a mountain, and the mountain is surrounded by giant walls, and no matter how hard you climb. Um, no matter how far you go, like you will not be able to get into that kingdom. It's a place of ease and a place of light and brilliance and beauty. And, and he wants to get into this, to this kingdom inside these giant walls, but he's going around the wall and he, um, he cannot find a way in. Um, there are no gates. He can't climb over, but then he finds a tiny little hole in the wall and he looks at it and he thinks, um, maybe I could get into that wall, but he's carrying this backpack of, um, of fear and sin and yucky stuff. And he doesn't know how to get into the kingdom without, um, you know, without this stuff. And so, um, he lays this backpack down and, uh, kind of at the foot of the cross and he, he tears out, you know, off his outer layers of clothes and just gets down to just him. 
um, him alone, simply him. And, um, and he goes to this tiny hole in the wall, um, which is maybe, I, I want to say it's maybe shaped like a cross, but he just barely fits in this tiny little hole. He squeezes through. And when he gets through that little hole, I mean, from the outside, it's like a keyhole, and you, it barely looks like there's anything there. Um, but he knows there's good things on the other side. And when he gets on the other side, um, through Jesus and through simple faith in Jesus, he realizes that what he's come into is a kingdom of incredible rest, incredible beauty, incredible light. Um, and, and that's why we enter the kingdom. That's why we pursue the kingdom. That's why Jesus commends people to sell all they've got to get the kingdom, to lay down everything that they think is important to get the kingdom because the kingdom is actually really good for us. And in the kingdom, we learn to operate um, like we're meant to operate. And so we want to pursue the kingdom and it might seem tiny, but actually it's huge. And the more you get into it, the broader and more expansive um, it becomes. And so um, pursue the kingdom. And, um, and when you see it, however small it may be, focus on it, zoom in on it, jump into it uh, until it reveals its true nature as a tiny seed that packs atomic power to change people and to change the world from the inside out. So um, I hope that imagery is helpful. Uh, it was just something that, that sat with me and I've been sort of meditating on um, the expansiveness of the kingdom. I think about how God made uh, the world way, way smaller than we could fathom and way, way bigger than we could fathom. And so we are, you know, I'm six foot three and I am tiny. I am unbelievably microscopically non-existent in the scheme of the universe. And yet I am unfathomably massive and enormous um, when it, when compared to uh, an atom or, or, a, or a cork um, or a prion, you know, it's just, there are so, the world is so tiny and yet so massive. And I think about, you know, when we go down to the smaller and smaller layers, if you zoom in with a microscope on a cell or an atom, I mean, it just, it becomes this massive playground, this huge land. I, I remember hearing that, um, if an atom is the size of a football field, the electron swirling around the atom, the electrons that go around that atom um, are the size of a dime. And so, you know, an atom is tiny, but an electron is even tinier and um, uh, like way tinier. And so you, you can't wrap your brain around those things. Um, but that's kind of what the kingdom is like. You zoom in and it becomes this expansive world um, with pervasive power. Um, so I hope that's helpful. And um, God bless you guys. God bless you. Um, let me pray for you, and then I'll, I'll let you go on with your day. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless my friend here today. Um, and I ask that the kingdom would pervade, um, sink down into every layer, right down to the cellular level. I pray that your will would be done um, in my body, in my mind, in my heart. It is fun to explore your kingdom, to know you in your kingdom, and I welcome you in. I ask that you would transform me from the inside out 
and give me playful and curious eyes to see the kingdom for what it is. And I ask that it would flow into me and through me to the world in which I live. I pray that you'd reveal the mysteries of the kingdom to me as I explore a relationship with you. Uh, I pray that you'd unlock the secrets of intimacy with you so that I might explore the kingdom with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you guys. And I will see you next time on Spirit-Led Discipleship. Again, if you uh, liked this and enjoyed it and thought of a friend who would appreciate it, please pass this along. Um, I don't make any money on this. I'm not. This is this is strictly for you because I love you and, um, and I think about you and I am constantly exploring and playing with what what really, really helps people uh, experience God better. So I hope that you've maybe tasted a little bit of him today. And uh, yes, please rate and review and share the podcast. Also go to Amazon, check out Spirit-Led Discipleship, and enjoy. See you next time.